I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Hit us all up on the network at VSIN Live. Uh, had another good day with our baseball bets here on the uh, bsin.com best bets page. Uh, the play of the day with another winner as the uh, Astros minus a run and a half did cover convincingly with a 6 nothing win. Excuse me, uh, it was 6 nothing win. And Justin Verlander, his MLB leading 15th win, dude goes... Six innings, only allows two hits and one walk while striking out five. And I said it in my tweet when I tweeted out the play of the day. And you guys, again, follow me on Twitter, at Scott's on Air. Uh, the play of the day since we came back from vacation is now one, two, three, four, five, and one in the six days since we came back from vacation. So we're chugging along. We're feeling good. Uh, but I tweeted it out. I said, Justin Verlander can smell the Cy Young right now. And and that's really what's happening. Because a couple of days ago, in his last outing, Shane McClanahan was not good for the race. And McClanahan was the favorite all along. And now, Justin Verlander is the favorite. And he is smell. He, he can taste this award right now. His season numbers are Insane. His ERA now is at 1.73. He uh, as a, a whip is at 0.85. This is just stupid, stupid good stats here. Uh, in 130 innings pitched, he's striking out 127. Uh, I mentioned the whip here of 0.85. The opponent's batting average is 188 against him. Uh, on the road, it's even better at 152. Uh, and this guy is just really pitching on another level right now. And I think it's going to come down to, obviously, he's the favorite. And with the way that he's been pitching, it's going to come down to him and Dylan Cease. You know, I look at Dylan Cease, who you can still get at 5-1 to one in some spots to win the American League Cy Young. I think he's got a tremendous case because um, every time this guy pitches, he throws an absolute gem. In his last 12 starts, Dylan Cease has only allowed four runs, and those four runs came 
on four solo home runs. Dylan Cease does start on Friday in Texas against the Rangers. Right now, the White Sox minus 178. I would lock that down, or I would lock down the first five ASAP. Dylan Cease, 11-4 on the year with a 2.01 ERA, a 1.17 whip. And as I mentioned, you go through his last 12 games, okay? In his last 12 games, the White Sox are, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. They're 10 and 2 in those 12 games. So in Dylan Cease's last 12 starts, the White Sox are 10 and 2. He has gone into he has gone five innings in all in uh he's gone into the fifth in all of them. He's made it through five in ten of the twelve starts, and he has allowed just four earned runs in those 12 starts. All four have come via the solo home run. Now, he has given up more runs. There was a game against the the Dodgers, which was one of the losses in the last 12 games. He gave up six unearned runs. I'm just talking about earned runs here because if his defense makes a couple of errors, well, it's going to stink. But when... Uh, it, it's the un, it's the earned runs that I care about and the strikeouts. Look at the strikeouts. He's got, let's see, uh, 85, 90 strikeouts in those 12 starts. 90 strikeouts in those 12 starts. You want to talk about the innings? Let's see. I'll do the math here real quick on my handy-dandy calculator. We got 35 and this one. So we got 63. We got 70 innings. 90 strikeouts in 70 innings. What? So we're talking about, let's see, we, 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 let's just document this. 90 Ks in 70 innings in his last 12 starts where he has allowed only four earned runs, and they were four pitches. Four pitches. Think about that. Like, I want to break this down in terms of uh, pitches here, okay? In his last 12 starts, Dylan Cease has thrown, because this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Dylan Cease, in his last 12 starts, has thrown a total of 1,225 pitches. He made a mistake on four of them. That's it. Four pitches out of 1,225 That's the difference in him giving up any earned runs over the last 12 starts. Four solo home runs. That's four pitches out of 1,225. White Sox, Friday night against the Texas Rangers. Probably go White Sox first five. Maybe White Sox full game. Just White Sox, White Sox, White Sox, because we're backing Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease. And, uh, yeah, right now I'm seeing 178. Let's look on DraftKings, see if we can find anything better. White Sox 175 on DK right now. And the first five will probably be the same, if not a little bit juiced higher, uh, just because of the pitching advantage with Dylan Cease. Over Glenn Otto. Anyway, 
uh, our other bets that we had today, uh, we had the, um, let's see, pull them up here. The Phillies minus a run and a half, that one got nullified because the game did not go nine innings. It was a rain-shortened game. The Phillies technically won the game five to four, but for run line bets, the game has to go at least eight and a half innings, right? Like it has to go a full-length game in order for a run line bet to count. So that bet got completely nullified, and then we won with the Blue Jays' money line, and the only loss was the Red Sox on the money line. So I guess that is a two and one day if the uh, other one gets nullified. So a two and one day with a POD win, a play, another play of the day winner there. So uh, update all the things, the play of the day, since we have come back from vacation, five and one plus 3.64 units if you're going on a one unit scale. The rest of the Major League Baseball uh, results that we saw here on Thursday, uh, the, the Mets beating the Braves. Tyler Naquin, one of their new arrivals, the, who they got in a trade from the Cincinnati Reds, in his home debut at City Field for the New York Mets, Tyler Naquin homers uh, twice, and the Mets win 6-4 to four over the Braves. Also, they went back-to-back homers in the third inning. Pete Alonso and Dan Vogelbach went back-to-back. So uh, you had Vogelbach homering and Naquin homering twice. So two of the trade acquisitions that the Mets, that the Mets got at the deadline that were not, like, praised, really. The Mets were actually criticized by a lot of people in the baseball community for not being aggressive at the trade deadline, for not being, uh, you know, bringing in any big time names or, uh, you know, a, a big time pitcher or anything like that. Like the Mets could have went out and and bolstered their rotation and and got a Frankie Montas, who the Yankees got, and they could have gotten somebody else for the back end of their bullpen and and paired them up with you know, the likes of Seth Lugo and Adam Adovino and and Edward Diaz. But what they did was they got some complimentary bats. They went out and acquired Dan Vogelbach and Darren Ruff, who could really take turns as the designated hitter, the platoon there, Darren Ruff against lefties and, and Vogelbach against righties. And Tyler Naquin was a nice acquisition from the Cincinnati Reds. So both of those acquisitions and Vogelbach, what he had a grand slam the other day. So, you know, he's coming through. Naquin comes through today. And so far, so good for the Mets who extend their lead now in the National League East to four and a half games uh, this, or three and a half games. Excuse me. This is a pivotal series for both of these teams as uh, it's a five game set over the course of the weekend. There will be a doubleheader on Saturday and the Mets could could really separate themselves from the Braves if they were to take, you know, four out of five games of this series. So it's an important series for both teams. The Braves want to feel like they're still in the mix here for this division, but you got to get some games back here against the Mets. Friday's pitching matchup is going to be Ian Anderson for the Braves and Taiwan Walker for the Mets. And then you got the doubleheader on Saturday, which it looks like the schedule for that is going to be 
um, Max Scherzer against Max Freed, and David Peterson against Jake Odorizzi, and then on Sunday, Jacob DeGrom against Spencer Strider. That's uh, what Those are the probable pitchers for the rest of this Mets-Braves series. We'll have plenty of more baseball to discuss later on in the program. Of course, we're going to go through the board for Friday. I might have just already given you a best bet for Friday's slate with Dylan Cease and the White Sox, so we'll continue the conversation here. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter, at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I always tweet out when the card is up. On vcin.com, on the daily best bets page, and then I tweet out the play of the day as well. This is the look ahead right here on vcin, the sports betting network. com today. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers, cold. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at Victory Heineken. Beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. So uh, I was curious because I we had our very own Matt Humans on Earlier, this is the look ahead, by the way, here on VSIN. I'm Scott Seidenberg. What's up, everybody? Our very own Matt Eumann, senior editor of VSIN.com, Point Spread Weekly, joined me on the program earlier this week. And we teased out how on Wednesday, his annual fast food rankings, his power rankings, were going to be available on VSIN.com. I'm happy to say it's out on VSIN.com. I have not read this. I wanted to kind of do this live on the air and kind of react to it in real time and give Matt uh, some kudos for his work. Um, it's This article is tremendous, and he does this uh, long um, actual power rankings, uh, and it's the fourth annual Matt Eumann's Fast Food Top 50 Power Rankings here for VSIN, and the new number one, the number one is a hot dog place. 
I can honestly say I have never had it. Portillo's, the new top dog. It went from number three last year to number one this year. Um, is I don't know. I, I've never had Portillo's. Never heard of it before. Maybe I am a sheltered uh, person. But uh, Portillo's, no, I guess it's, a beef, it's bur- beef, burgers, and salads. That's what it says here. So not a hot dog. Beef, burgers, and salads, Portillo's, number one. But I guess they do have, like, special uh, hot dogs. That's why that's what the beef, right? So, yeah, I guess it is a hot dog place. I don't know. But can, hey, we'll have to go try it. That's the number one. Number two is a spot that is here in Vegas. It's it, There's one in Henderson that I pass all the time, Freddy's Steak Burgers. I haven't had it yet. But I got to gotta go. If it's Matt Humans is number two on his fast food power rankings, I got to try it. Freddy's Steak Burgers. Number three, Chick-fil-A. I was surprised to see it this high, but Chick-fil-A gets uh, number three on the list. Culver's is number four. Shake Shack, which I've had many times uh, as a New Yorker. Uh, Shake Shack. Including the one in City Field, which is kind of cool. Um, but Shake Shack is number five. I remember I was living in LA and they opened up a Shake Shack and it was like the biggest thing to happen. There was a line all the way around the corner for people trying to get into this place. Wild. Uh, he, humans, uh, has McDonald's as number six, Arby's number seven, In and Out number eight. Number nine, Whataburger. And rounding out the number 10, down from number seven last year, is Raising Canes. I am a big Raising Canes fan. And uh, <laughs> Matt Humans writes, quote, down a few spots from number seven, Canes has been drawing complaints for allegedly downsizing the chicken fingers. With two professional bettors I know recently say the fingers look more like nuggets now. The Texas toast is legit, and the sauce is the boss. Um, man, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. So uh, we'll go. I, I'll have to go through the rest of this list. Uh, Matt does a tremendous job. No one knows more about it than he does. And there are several places in the top ten that uh, I have not had that I will have to have, including. Portillo's, the new number one on Matt Eumann's fast food rankings. Boy, if it was for me, and again, like I haven't had, I haven't had Freddy's, I haven't had Culver's. Shake Shack's pretty good, and I would have Canes above, you know, some of these other ones. Uh, maybe I'm just a big chicken guy, but uh, I I do like Canes. So uh, kudos to Matt. Great job for us there at vsin.com, and uh, great job with the fast food top 50. Now, if it was like pizza, I could probably do that for you. I could probably get you all the national chains. I know people like to do the local stuff, but I feel like no one gives love to the national change. Nas- national chains. How would I rate the national chains uh, as far as pizza is concerned? I guess you have to go with like the Papa John's and the Domino's and the Pizza Hut's and, the, and, and things like that to kind of... Um, to kind of rank those, but maybe I could do it. Listen, if it involves eating pizza, I'll do it for you guys. It's the things that I do for my audience. I'll eat the pizza for you so you don't have to. 
I'll gain the calories. You don't have to. Uh, taking a look at uh, the Major League Baseball schedule here, um, we had a really interesting, bizarre scenario happen on Thursday. And it occurred with the um, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who lost to the A's 8-7. to seven. And if you remember last night on the show, I said, you know what? I kind of like the A's here because of Paul Blackburn. And I said maybe the A's in the first five innings backing Paul Blackburn or maybe just take the A's at a a plus money price. I wasn't buying into the whole Jensen junk experience. Well, Paul Blackburn went out there and uh, pitched five innings, gave up four earned runs, but through five innings, the A's had an eight to four lead. They scored six runs in the top of the third inning. So the A's did get the job done if you had them in the first five and they held on to an 8-7 lead. The Angels scored seven runs in this game on seven solo home runs in the first, second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh, and ninth. How about that? Each of the first four innings of this game the Angels hit a solo home run. Otani in the first inning, Suzuki in the second inning, Ward in the third inning, Adele in the fourth inning, and then Walsh in the sixth, Otani in the seventh, and then Mickey Moniak, my dude, in the ninth inning. The Angels tied the record for the most solo home runs in a game by any team. The seven home runs total are tied for the most in a loss in Major League Baseball history. Teams that hit seven home runs in a game prior to this game had a record of 113 wins and five losses. Well, now you can make it 113 wins and six losses as the Angels homer seven times and lose 8-7 to seven against the A's. There was a doubleheader in St. Louis. The Cardinals took game one from the Cubs, 4-3. to three. It was a, a walk-off hit by Newt Bar in the uh, bottom of the ninth inning. It's just a cool name to say, Newt Bar. And then uh, Quintana, Jose Quintana, made his Cardinals debut in game two, And uh, he went out there and threw six innings of one-run ball. He only allowed one hit. That one hit was a home run. He struck out seven. He walked two. And the Cardinals won the game seven to two. And the home run came in the first inning. So think about that. In the first inning, Jose Quintana gives up a hit, uh, a solo home run to um, Wisdom on the, I guess it was the second, uh, third batter of the game. And from that moment on, did not allow a hit. In fact, only allowed, I think, one base runner after that, or no, two base runners after that on two walks. So uh, what, a, what a performance from Jose Quintana in his Cardinals debut. A very, very good acquisition here at the trade deadline. 
Dodgers complete the sweep of the Giants with a 5-3 win. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, though, did leave the game early with some lower back pain. So that is a bit concerning for the Dodgers because he has been so good for them this season. Uh, the Rockies avoid a sweep. They beat the Padres 7-3. Um, and the, uh, let's see, it was the Royals scoring four runs in the bottom of the seventh inning, beating the Red Sox 7-3. to So a fun day in Major League Baseball, but the day really dominated by the NFL because it was the Hall of Fame game kicking off the 2022 NFL preseason. Touch on that a little bit and talk a little about some of the, uh, some of the things that I'm looking forward to here in the NFL preseason. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Scott Sandberg back here with you. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. The 2022 NFL preseason kicked off with the playing of the Hall of Fame game, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Las Vegas Raiders. Why? Because the Raiders had a couple of, uh, you know, players inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so you know, everything's nice and fun. And uh, Richard Seymour and, and uh, you know, it, it was a homecoming for Josh McDaniels, who grew up in Canton, whose dad coached him in high school. And, and so an emotional time for them. And the Raiders responded by performing. 27 to 11 was the score. If anybody had the under, I don't want to call it a bad beat, a tough beat. I mean, it looked good early. Just two field goals in the first quarter, and then it was 20 to nothing at the half. And usually you figure the second half with the fourth stringers in the game, like nothing's going to get done. Um, but a couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter pushes the total over. So uh, this was pushed down. It was bet down early. It was like 33, 32, bet down lower and lower and lower. Might have been 29 and a half at kickoff, but winds up going way over at 27-11. That is uh, 38, if my math is correct. Um, But it's just the start of the preseason. Both of these teams will have a fourth preseason game, but the NFL has gone down to three preseason games. And so each team has a lot of work to do. And the way that these teams have handled the preseason has changed over the course of the past few years, especially with the switch now to just three preseason games instead of four. Starters used to play a lot in the preseason. Now, we don't see starters play at all in the preseason. It's more of an opportunity to set your depth, right? to evaluate players that are trying to make your roster as opposed to players that you know are already locked into your roster. And for other teams around the league, 
preseason is so important because they are trying to fill their rosters and they're looking to see any players that get cut from other teams that they want to sign to their roster or their practice squad or whatnot. So everyone pays attention to everybody else's uh, preseason games. What I'm looking for in this preseason is I'm curious to see how the teams with the new head coaches look. And I know that these teams are not game planning and there's um, there's there's only so much you can go off of, right? There's not a lot of scheme. Maybe you'll start to see some new things. Like um, if I watch the Giants in a preseason game and I start seeing some pre-snap motion, I mean, I'm just going to go crazy because that is that is something that the Giants have not had for the past several seasons. And to look and see an offense that actually has some ingenuity, I'm like, hey, Starting to get my juices flowing here. Let's go. So Brian Dable and the Giants, one of the examples that I'm looking forward to, just to see what the team looks like and what the what the feel is like with the new head coach. There's 10 new head coaches in the NFL this season, and five of them have never been an NFL head coach before. So it, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. We had two new head coaches, although not new to being a head coach, but two new coaches here in the Hall of Fame game tonight, Josh McDaniels with the Raiders, Doug Peterson with the Jaguars. Elsewhere, we're going to see Matt Eberfluss for the Chicago Bears. Nathaniel Hackett gets the head coaching job with the Denver Broncos. Lovey Smith is back. He's coaching the Texans. Uh, Mike McDaniel coaching the Dolphins. I mentioned Brian Dable with the Giants. Kevin O'Connell with the Minnesota Vikings. Dennis Allen gets another opportunity. Remember, he coached during the uh, um, Bounty Gate uh, stuff with Sean Payton. So Dennis Allen now the head coach of the Saints. And Todd Bowles back to being a head coach as he is now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I'm curious to see what the teams look like with the new head coaches. And then, of course, we can talk about new old faces in new places. But how much of these faces will we see in the preseason? Are we going to see Russell Wilson for the Broncos? Are we going to see Matt Ryan for the Colts? You know, these are things that I'm curious about. Are we going to see... um, you know, Jameis Winston play for for the Saints. I don't know. I don't know if a lot of these starters are going to play a lot. Maybe in, you know, the third, the last preseason game, but I don't even think that's the case. Because the third preseason game used to be the dress rehearsal, but now the third preseason game is the final preseason game, which has always been the fourth preseason game where nobody plays. So, Does that game become the game that no one plays? Does the second game become the game where we get some starters playing? Maybe we just don't get starters playing at all in this preseason. And the first time we're going to see Russell Wilson line up for the Broncos will be in week one. First time we're going to see Matt Ryan for the Colts is going to be in week one. 
first time we see Marcus Mariota lining up for the Falcons is going to be in week one. And what about some of these quarterback battles? You see, in that, in those instances, we might actually have to see these quarterbacks play in the preseason. We might have to see Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold play in the preseason. We may have to see Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett play in the preseason. Oh, that's the other thing, the rookies. I want to look at the rookies because I want to see who might actually get some serious playing time. Like, will we see, you know, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis uh, get time during the regular season? Maybe it's Kenny Pickett more so than Malik Willis, but I'm curious to see what Kenny Pickett looks like in the preseason. I want to see Desmond Ritter. Maybe he takes the job from Marcus Mariota. I want to see Malik Willis for the Titans. Matt Corral, I mean, he's got, look, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, but maybe Matt Corral gets out there. Maybe we see Sam Howell get some run here for the um, uh, Commanders. Commanders got new uniforms, by the way. Should be fun. Um, so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm curious. And in Miami, like, you got Tua and Teddy Bridgewater. How much do they play in the, the preseason? And is there a chance... And I know that it's been all about Tua, right? But if, you know, the Dolphins do have some some high aspirations, if the season does not start out well for Tua, you got Teddy Bridgewater as, I think he's the highest backup quarter, highest paid backup quarterback in the league. Let me look at this. Highest paid, I think he's the highest paid backup quarterback. Um... I got to see, oh, I don't know, let's see, but last year, I have last year's list. Let's, let me look at NFL QB salaries for 2022. I really, I think that Teddy Bridgewater might be the highest paid backup quarterback this year. Bridgewater makes $6.5 million. He's the highest paid backup in the league. Bridgewater and Tua makes 8.2. So are the Dolphins married to Tua? You know, they signed a left tackle this offseason to a pretty big contract. Terran Armstead um, got a deal five years, $75 million for the Miami Dolphins. Cool. Terran Armstead's a left tackle. That's not Tua's blindside. Usually you pay a left tackle to protect the quarterback's blindside. Tua's a lefty. His blindside is the right tackle position. Maybe Tua's not in the future plans for the Miami Dolphins. Teddy Bridgewater. $6.5 million, makes more money than Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, Justin Fields, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Mitch Trubisky, Mac Jones, Geno Smith, all potential starters this year. Maybe Teddy Two Gloves sees some playing time this year for the Dolphins. 
I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air. Coming up next, we'll get into college football. Our very own Steve Mackinac did a great job in the college football betting guide. We'll talk about his uh, stability rankings. This is the look ahead here on VCNV Sports Betting Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The college football guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over under recommendations. Plus, our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up for VSIN All Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at vsin.com slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. I haven't, I mean, I mean, I started to dive into our uh, college football betting guide. I'm not done with it. I mean, there's so much information in this thing. It's unbelievable. I, I feel like it's one of the, it, it, one of the best things besides getting my baseball picks of being a VSIN uh, subscriber. Get your hands on this college football betting guide, a preview of every single team, and then, of course, a lot of uh, bet recommendations, over-unders, and whatnot. So lots of great information, over 300 pages in this thing. So if you are not a subscriber, what are you waiting for? If you are a subscriber, download this thing and start studying up because we are three weeks away from the start of the college football season. Yes, like literally three weeks again. The first game, which is like week zero, in college football, as we call it, because you have, like, a couple of games first, and then, like, everyone kicks in. Uh, Friday, August 26th, is the first game of the season. Nevada and New Mexico State from Las Cruces. And then Saturday, August 27th, we have a bunch of games, and then Thursday, September 1st, kicks off, like, the full 
first week of college football. So week zero is that Saturday, August 27th, which is three weeks away. So you better start studying up on all your college football uh, nuggets here. Uh, Steve Mackinnon is one of our editors here at vcin.com. Did a tremendous job uh, in our college football betting guide, and he joins me here on the look ahead. Steve, I I wanted to talk to you about your stability rankings that you wrote about. You did a tremendous job writing about this in our college football betting guide. Before we get into your stability rankings, explain to the audience what actually goes into a stability ranking. Okay, well, Scott, this is something I've actually been doing for about uh, 10 or 11 years now. Uh, Before each college football season, I like to go ahead and what I do is quantify, uh, I call it the stability of a program. Uh, What I'm looking for is how many how many starters they got back. I got, uh, you can get anywhere from a zero to five score on that. Uh, whether you have your head coach, your offensive coordinator, your defense coordinator back, and then also your, uh, starting quarterback. And when I put all these scores together, I come up with an overall rating for each team. And if you go down the list of the, the 131 teams, you'll see that there's a great variation anywhere from zero to, to this year to 18 points, uh, that they will get on my stability score. And you can use these for both, Uh, making season win total wagers or on a game-by-game basis in the first four weeks of the season. So who right now is the most stable team in the country? Well, there are several teams that scored 18s. I I, just go through them right away. Boise State is one of them. They got a a lot of stability coming back here. Hank Bachmeyer back at quarterback. Their coaching staff's intact. So uh, they're one of them. Bowling Green's another. That's a team that I got a season uh, over win wager on. Uh, BYU looks to be very strong in an 18, a lot back from uh, from last season's team. Uh, Kansas uh, could be in better shape than usual. I expect them to be maybe a little more competitive than we've used to seeing them in the in the Big 12. Uh, Mississippi State is the most stable team in the SEC for the season, scoring 18. Northern Illinois, 18. NC State, 18. And Stanford out of the Pac-12. All, all those teams scoring 18 on my list. And who is... Of the, uh, we don't have to go into the smaller conferences, but of the major power conferences, who is the lowest stability rating? Well, I think you got to look down at a uh, program like LSU. Uh, they scoring a two here. Now that doesn't mean this is going to be a bad season for LSU. There's a lot of there's a lot that goes into this and uh, as to why they'll be unstable. But they could by the end of the season, they may be in a stable situation. But the way this the system actually works out is uh, it proves your. This is a team maybe you don't want to bet uh, with early in the season. I call it the first four weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting stuff. But you would expect like a team like that. You mentioned the first four weeks because you think that throughout the course of the season, the stability matters a little bit less. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I guess the the design of the system is to sh- is to basically say that odds makers are not putting enough. Uh-huh. Uh, emphasis into the stability or the lack thereof and uh, maybe they go with a strength rating more normalized for the type of level that LSU is typically at but this year with their instability they're going to have time a hard time catching up with that number so give me some early season games that fit your system here Okay, so I, I went through the the weeks, uh, the, the first week of uh, August 27th games and uh, there's going to be three of them on that day and it's a pretty a, a pretty light schedule for that day, so to have three of them is uh, pretty unique here. The the first one's the the 
Dublin game, the Northwestern and uh, Nebraska. Northwestern has a stability of score of 17. Nebraska has a score of 9. I typically like to look for games with a 7 or higher difference in the first four weeks of the season. Mm, okay. So uh, you got to get in 17 to 9, Northwestern and Nebraska. And basically what this is, is saying is, uh, I think uh, what is Northwestern about a 12-point dog in this one. I yep. think they're not giving enough credit, odds makers aren't, to how stable this Northwestern team is coming back. That's interesting there. So a 12-point dog, you like a good play there on them. And, and you know, Dublin, there's no home field advantage, obviously. So it's going to be interesting. Both teams at a slight disadvantage. Uh, what about some other games here as we progress throughout the first week or so of the season? Yeah, so uh, one of the other games here that we're going to be looking at for the, the 27th of August is uh, the Connecticut and Utah State game. Connecticut has a stability of score of 6, Utah State a 16. Now, this is interesting because... Utah State's a 27.5-point favorite in this game, coming off a very big season, uh, very uh, very strong offensively. Uh, they're going to be a big favorite here. The next week after that, they're going to Alabama, and they're mm-hmm. about a 38-point 30, underdog. So it's very unique. You're going to find a, tw- a team that almost a four-touchdown favorite going to a five-touchdown underdog in the next week. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Utah State really wallops Connecticut and what happens in that second-week game. Yeah, and you would think in that situation, it's like they know that they're going to get a loss in week two, so you got to get the win in week one. So I would expect a good effort from them in, in their opener. How about that third game on the 27th? Yeah, the third game is uh, Vanderbilt uh, traveling to Hawaii. Vanderbilt's got a stability score of 11. Uh, Hawaii a uh, three. Hawaii is one of the more unstable teams even across the country. A new quarterback, new coaching staff, first time coach, uh, in fact, in Timmy Chang. But uh, this has been a big line mover too, I believe, since uh, I, I think it's moved to about seven points where Vanderbilt's about a seven point favorite. Uh, very interesting. Uh, it's going to be hard to maybe endorse Vanderbilt playing as a road favorite, but the system's basically saying we got stable. Versus unstable, and when when you're basically facing those options, I prefer the stability. Yeah, we all do. And uh, Hawaii was just a mess last season, and it's going to be quite the transition. Unless Timmy Chang's suiting up and playing quarterback for them, uh, I don't know what, what to expect from the Warriors <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when it comes to the, these ratings, do you um, do you look at the returning quarterback weighted a little bit more than uh, retur- other returning starters? Yes. So the way the system works is I have a, for the total number of returning starters, say it's a zero to seven, you get zero points. Eight or nine, you get one point. Ten to twelve, two points, and so on and so on. So up to 20 to 20. If you are returning 20 to 22 starters, you get a full five points. Quarterback, I have zero or four points. It's an all or none sum for this thing. Mm. So. If you have the same quarterback back, you're getting four points on the stability scale. That's how important I deem that position to be in college football. When you evaluate some of these uh, teams that have new quarterbacks, but quarterbacks, it, uh, it's not just a new, maybe a freshman or that redshirted and now he's a sophomore and he's starting or somebody that won the job or earned the job after somebody graduated. But when quarterbacks that transfer programs and were established starters elsewhere and now playing at a new school – does that change your evaluation of that team a little bit? In this system, it does not. Now, I get what you're saying. And if you're handicapping a team or handicapping a specific game, yes, I do think you have to look at this. Uh, 
Now think of let's say uh, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. Uh-huh. He's gonna be running. The, he's running the same system here and Jeff Labby's new offensive coordinator there. He's used to the system he runs. Is it fair to look at him as a brand new quarterback compared to a freshman going into a, stepping up from high school to college? Probably not. But as far as my system goes, he counts for a zero until he proves otherwise. Yep. So uh, I, I think it, you, maybe look at that on a, a case-by-case basis. Well, it's a tremendous article, Steve. You did great work in the College Wall Betting Guide. Look forward to chatting with you as we get closer and closer to the season. I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you so much. He's Steve Mackinan. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.